Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Trouble Breathing. Actually, was that Back in Black by ACDC? That is not Hell that bells? is not the moment that should really kick off this conversation. It's this. Two, three, four. There you go. It's the most fun part of a very unfun song. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to characterize the song. Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim Crisp. His name is David Anthony. Correct. He's the host of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Me, it's my first day on the job. How am I doing? How's my driving, Doug Hastings? Welcome to the fourth supplement of God <laughs> Damn It Month over here. This is your zinc pill. On As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Hey, we have been discussing the band's first LP, God Damn It, in observance of its 20th anniversary, it came out in October of 1998. Oh, I'm going to hit you with a quick one that we didn't talk about in pre-pro. Sorry, it's my first day. Has your piece come out yet? I don't know. Uh, wrote about this record. It'll be up on Noisy like I do most months this year uh, about punk records turning 20. Um, hey, it's my first day. All right, so... Let, let's get down to, to brass tacks here. Am I right? Why not? During this month, we have invited our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash as you were, to participate in a couple of different polls. Uh, at the beginning of the month, we said, all right, first half of God damn it, what do you got? They chose San Francisco. Then we did the same thing a couple weeks later. We said, Second half of God damn it, what do you got? A resounding mm-hmm. victory for trouble breathing. And should we have expected anything different? I feel like sometimes I have a skewed read on what people like. This is the one I wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad this is how it shook down. Same. Um, but I guess I just don't know how a lot of other people feel about this song. Because I know very much how I do. And if you are a Patreon subscriber when this episode goes up, I'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings. Hit us up on the Twitter at as you were pod, email us as you were podcast at gmail.com. But <clears throat> with a lot of these polls, I am always a little surprised. I feel like I bet on the wrong horse every time. Ooh. Yeah, it is October in Chicago. David is is <clears throat> doing his David is doing his best. Um you're editing this one, so I feel like there have been moments where it's like, yeah, what? I know what I like, and yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I'm kind of kind of a basic boy. Like I think I like you know the crowd pleasers in general. Sure. Um, but you know, this is a song that doesn't really have the you know appeal of a clavicle. It's not nearly as fun as yeah. a My Little Needle. Poor Southern Rock. <laughs> goose egg there uh i i 
I half expected sorry about that. I kind of did too. You know, it is a really good album closer, but in a lot of ways, this is like really kind of the moment of catharsis for this record. Sorry about that. It's more the epilogue. Yeah, epilogue is a good way to put it because this is like, this is the full band performance. Mm -hmm. And it's also got, you know, I think the tone to it is pretty culminative. It is like, you know, this is what this record really has been building to in a certain sense of like all the things that are happening right here. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way to summarize it. Um, And it's definitely like, it would be weird if it was the last song, I think. I think it needs something that, not that sorry about that, is it all like fun time jovialness. It does, it's a little more digestible. Yeah, this Uh, is like... (laughs) Don't forget to let your life rot you inside out. Yeah, maybe like, not. That's, that's the way that you want to like. That's not record. the go home moment. Uh-huh. That's not what you want to sing and be like. All right, thank you. Good night. We've been Alkaline Trio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hope you're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, I think we should start just as plainly and simply as the song itself. You you kind of did the joke up front of that two three four that Glenn counts in, but there's a lot of confidence in the song, and it's a really really strong performance in a way that, unlike a San Francisco, which I I've always kind of lumped the two a little bit, they're the ballady ish non acoustic ones start with kind of you know a similar sort of feel at least as far as the guitar intros go the quiet guitar intros but into this... the full band. This one's a lot heavier in kind of every respect. Definitely. And I think that, you know, that opening guitar line definitely takes its time a little bit more. Those, like, you know, those ring outs are a little bit more deliberate that, you know, Matt, like, sliding down on the guitar before the band even comes in. It's just like, he's saying what he needs to say here before everything comes in. And it really, really comes in big. Those guitars sound mean. Yeah, well, and it, it's also just even his strumming pattern on those chords. Yeah. You know, it feels a, so much more like where he's kind of always been like a both down and upstroke kind of player because he loves ska. Uh, this is just kind of like almost a straight pounding downstrokes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just much more of a pummeling kind of feel Definitely. early on with this, which does is not something that's really at any other part of this record Mm -hmm. uh and that's it's it doesn't not feel like them but it's it's it's, it's a jarring tonal shift yeah absolutely and like you know the the band comes in with that heaviness too and there's a just like we've been talking a lot about glenn's drumming and this is like such a fucking great performance too yeah he's so in line with those strumming patterns and you know especially like you you look at the structure of like what matt's doing on the guitar it's basically like you know chords that are held out long and then you know the end of the phrase is like very quickly up Mm -hmm. to a few of them that like basically just like jam in at the end of the phrase and there's no shift in like the the beat or anything like that but Glenn really does like help get that vigor out there. Yes. Dan carries it really well. This is another example too. We talked about it on clavicle this week where it's like Matt's fucking guitar has so little tone on it. And Dan's bass is just like clumping. Yeah. I mean, 
Matt's guitar tone on this has been like, which sounds ridiculous, but it's been like my ideal of a guitar tone where it's just like, it's almost more about the player and the setup that like, there's not really pedals happening. There's not really a lot of like affectation. It's just kind of like you, he's, he learned how to express this and make this sound this way by just plugging in and then writing the song to get that, you know, and and it's so simple, but it's so effective. And there's moments too, where like he, you know, in the second, uh, you know, after the after the the chorus comes in, and you know, he gets the to the part where it's like uh, said that's quite possible. I feel truly dead inside. The fucking like onslaught that you yeah. get that comes from that guitar that he just like stops playing yeah. when he's supposed to like ring the note out, and there's just like this moment of like you know jarring feedback where you see him playing that live and you see him like getting up into the amp and you see him playing that in the studio and you know that he just like kind of just like drops his hands and he you know sort of like affectatious like done and you know that's not what you're really supposed to do when you're recording something you're supposed to kind of like cut it clean or let it ring out and there's just that moment of just like that hitting feedback that yep. comes you know right before the uh right before the second part where it is quiet the, the mm. band is quiet and it's just that like ringing feedback it feels so ominous and just so real yeah. because it's not through four pedals it's not like it's just a separate track, track, track that's just track. feedback it's yeah. just one guitar and is one guitar played so vigorously and like knowing how little like high-end tone is in there getting something like that to come out of your guitar and your guitar amplifier when you're not putting effects on it yeah. when you're not like dialed in really high on your treble it's fucking hard you gotta be playing the fuck out of that thing well yeah and i mean that's so much of just what comes through on every part of this where i got really hot about that you, feedback you did i mean it's a great moment and that's this is a record full of great moments to me um and this song i think is one that I don't go back to it like casually like i don't just throw on trouble breathing yeah i, I love this song but it's you well the first time i heard it it felt like i was listening to something i shouldn't be hearing not in that way that is that that phrase is often said of like oh i listen to some really dangerous you know i heard guns and roses or whatever the fuck this wasn't something that like gave me that feeling it was just like holy shit like this is really intimate and really personal and i feel like i in every from the words to the music especially am hearing something that like i think is not supposed to be heard by other people it's unbelievably intimate yeah and it's it is it's like watching you know it's just like watching an emotionally difficult movie where it's yes. just like you know some of my favorite movies are are the ones that are just you know two hours of crying and it's like i don't put that on often but it affects it affects you in such a way that it's just like okay and this is one too where it's a very real portrait of somebody and you can tell that it comes out of real life and you can Mm -hmm. tell that there's, there's not really any like 
creative license that goes into it. There's very yeah. little poetic license that goes into it. This is just fucking reality for a person and a relationship. And, you know, Matt's observation and also, like, the way that Matt lives it. Yeah, I I mean, I think that all sums it up so well. And it's just, like, I, it, the thing I want to go back to is, like, the first time hearing the first line of this song. Yeah. You told me that you want to die. It's like, okay, we are going to go there immediately. And I think that's actually really necessary. I think a lot of times people could say that's very like heavy handed or very ham fisted, but I think he's like really, really taking you to a place and you need this start all the way up at 10 for this story to work because he's not really doing narrative songwriting at this point. You know, this isn't a story. This isn't like a continental, which I think evokes a similar kind of darkness and a similar kind of pain and a similar kind of frustration to understand while also understanding that you aren't that different. Um, But it's just fucking raw. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's like, I, I think one of the things that I really like about this song is that it starts in the nighttime and then in the second half of it it's in the daytime Mm. and this is like a song that you know it starts out on the front lawn when you're talking to somebody you're talking to somebody late at night um there's most likely uh alcohol involved in the in this but it's just you you know you're you're out there it's 2 30 in the morning you don't like your life yeah you have a sort of feeling like i need to let this out maybe it's maybe it's induced by uh by what you're drinking maybe it's the fact that like you know matt matt in his presentation of like who he is in this story is just like he's the listener he's the one that that takes it all in he's the one that's able to just kind of be the person that all of this comes out to because yeah. it has to come out to somebody and it has to come out sometimes at two thirty in the morning when you just don't know what the fuck else to do with yourself. Mm-hmm. You just know that you're fucking fed up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and I think Matt has always done a really good job of presenting himself as that listener or as like someone who is is empathetic towards another person. He does it really well here. He does it on Dead End Road. There's, you know, a lot of examples, you know, like the Hot Water Music Split songs. Like there's a lot of like he is really good at hearing a situation and viewing something and knowing how to articulate that feeling. And he does that so well here. And part of that is like the way he turns this song that I would argue is one of the darkest things he's ever written and not in the way that so many people often think of dark alkaline trio, which is the spooky stuff in you know, the late period kind of like Donner party and Draculina and blah, 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 blah. This is just a very authentic human darkness. This is a very authentic human experience and pain and trauma. And Obviously, it's unfortunate that 
he has experienced those things and the people close to him have experienced those things. But the way that he's been able to turn that into art that I think has hit people who have needed that has always been really compelling to me. Yeah. You know, my good friend growing up uh, has two Alkaline Trio tattoos. Mm. One of them is uh, a line from I'm Dying Tomorrow. And another one is look at how goddamn ugly the stars are. Mm -hmm. And it is positioned right below some bad star tattoos that he got early on. So it's got got a really nice uh, uh, feel to it. They're just positioned on his body. But, you know, talking to talking to Nick about that lyric in particular, he's like, who the fuck says, look at how ugly the stars are. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's two people that are saying it. There's someone who's in a real significant amount of pain. And then there's also Matt who, you know, Mm -hmm. whether he's, whether he's borrowing that or he's taking a little bit of license to it, what it expresses though is the fact that when you hurt when you hurt like that everything's fucking ugly yeah nothing is good and you know at night he hates it the daylight and there's this endlessness to it that i think you know if you've if you've experienced depression in in a way that is significant like when it becomes a reality to that extent like that's how it fucking feels is that there's it's inescapable. just there's no there's no spot where you feel okay yeah all of these things you know daylight is burning you the fucking you you stay up too late and and you you have too many feelings and you're you just feel fucking stuck and that's what i think that this song really is it's about somebody who's feeling so stuck and mm. it's it's a heavy listen because we're so used to the what happens when you feel stuck you find your way out yeah and this is a really fucking real portrait of maybe you just don't yeah i mean that's the thing is when we talk about it as a dark song or as a negative song like I see that and I see how people could think it's maybe even a little like callous or something, but I've never read it that way. You know, I I think there's always been the part of me that in that chorus where you're saying like, you'll never be okay. You'll always be in pain. It's, it's a little bit of a bonding mechanism to me in in part because in later live versions of the song, he would add just like me after that, which I think is really drives the point home that I think is there in the material, but to really bring that to the forefront. I think uh, that it's like, you know, I'm not sure to what extent like Matt's experience with this song has been, mm-hmm. but I would say that if I wrote something like this and literally anybody thought that it was meant to be taken as like, this is how it is. That would be a real fucking burden to take in. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a song, and this is all just me extrapolating this. So, like, don't take this as fact. But I I do think he has a tough relationship with this song. 
One, for those reasons. I think that's why he added the Just Like Me part, but it's also because it's the only song I can really think of where he ever like offered somewhat of a response to it in a later song, which is the song Song for Julie, which was written during the, the Good Morning Sessions. And that was never like officially released. That was written for Julie Wager, who ran their website for years and years and was like an early fan and confidant of the band and her parents died and he wrote this song for her and recorded and sent it to her and then it leaked out onto the internet and in that song he says like i was wrong when i said things never work out right you know and i think there is there's got to be a difficulty with this one in particular because I imagine there is a way to misread it, you know, and not even misread it because the, the, the substance is really, really bleak and really, really difficult. But it's a song to me that has always felt cathartic because it's hearing someone express that feeling that maybe you don't know how. And it's it's hearing someone express that in spite of that, they're continuing on. Yeah. Um, I I always felt like there is like there is a real hope in it, even though he like punctuates the fact that like it's never going to be okay. Also, like, don't forget to let fucking life just run over you. Yeah. As as you fucking like as you justify staying here. Yeah. Don't yeah. forget that like this is like not only is it is it fucking difficult to be alive right here, but like it's like one of the most like Beckett moments of his shit where it's like, yeah, rotting is what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's something I've always really found hopeful about that line. Part of that is my own upbringing. Like I've brought it up before, but like I grew up in a funeral home. I grew up around death. I had friends and family members die in like very traumatic ways. And I, but I've never feared death really. Um, I've always been very at peace with it because it's, it's shared. It's one of the few things that we all get to share. We share two experiences as humans, and that's one of them. And I've always found a profound beauty in the acceptance that life is just a linking mechanism from the first to the second in terms of universal experiences. And don't forget to let your life rot you inside out is, is something that is like, you should, there should be a pain. There should be, and there will be a difficulty because that is maybe the only other shared universal experience and that's kind of what it's always said to me and that's kind of how i've always taken it um and it's it's a dark song and it's a heavy song but it's it's also just indicative of everything that i think is great about this record is it's messy and it's fucked up and it's just authentic this isn't trying to put a bow on anything yeah you know and the the messiness to it it one of my favorite things about the performance of this song and something that like you know i really came to latch on to later in life is you know matt's vocals here one he doesn't really ever sing like this again like 
like definitely like through the verses, but like the way he carries the notes through the chorus mm-hmm. of, you know, you know, those AAAs, like he doesn't do it particularly well. He no. he doesn't like he doesn't hit the notes the way that he's supposed to and the way that like a uh, well-trained vocalist would and probably he would get to a point in the very near future for the band where he would be able to carry that just fine yeah. but it's imperfect well it's it's imperfect and it's one of the few moments on this record where it's like he's holding those notes and then there's kind of like the talking background vocals underneath it like it's it, there's definitely i think him understanding that limitation and being like, I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to kind of put this other thing there to like soften it a little bit. Dan's Dan's vocals in the back are fucking Mm. great. And they're so spot on. It's like, it's exactly what you would want someone to do, you know, while you're doing a lot of like heavy lifting of like, you know, needing to stay on notes and hold them and move within like the same breath, which Mm -hmm. is what Matt's trying to do here. But like that imperfection is so fucking human. Yes. And I think that that is the thing that I always return to with this record. It's just fucking kids that were living in a shitty house that had band practice every night Mm. and put together a record that said so much good, bad, ugly beautiful it's all there all of it yeah dirty and and just it's it's human and they made it for fucking nine hundred dollars yeah five days five days it sounds like shit yes it's a perfect record perfect uh Um, yeah one thing that you know you said really really unbelievable and, and moving things in there and this is this is a song it it makes me think about it makes me think about my dude nick and his and his tattoo and you know what he latched onto in that moment and it also makes me think of friends my friend matt living in japan right now who has always been the it's two o'clock in the morning if you're still awake, he's listening. Mm-hmm. He's the one that takes it in. You know? Yeah. Didn't even think about the fact that his name is Matt uh-huh. until right now. But, you know, I lived with the dude. I have always loved him, and I've always, like, looked at the position that he just, like, naturally is in. Yeah. You know? being that one that's like the the person that everybody talks to late at night about like how fucked up they feel mm-hmm. and he listens and he offers a little bit of himself not everything but you know whenever whenever i end talks with him it's always i love you you fucking asshole mm-hmm. and that's what this song is to me yeah the like you're you're never gonna be okay it's 
this is all this is all fucking worthless. That's something that you only say to the people that you really love. Yeah, and the people you really trust. Yeah. You know? Because I, I think that's that's what that song's always given me, and I think it's it's given me a peace in that. You know, and uh it it's one of those where it's not the scream along fun of some of the other ones, but like it's a song that's just so necessary and it's it, I can't think of really much else that does that you know and uh that reminds me why we do this and i think like why i've always been so drawn to music is because i've never gotten that feeling from much other art this has always really been my my outlet and my way of understanding and coping and like all those things and it's why like this record has and the song has like meant so much to me throughout several different decades of my life yeah and uh it's amazing to me that not only there are songs like that but there are people like that and those things may change those relationships evolve your relationships to everything evolve as they should but it's nice to know that there are those things that no matter how much i change this is going to be here when i need it yeah yeah and um you know i think i can i think i can understand looking back at it and maybe not loving everything that's said in there or maybe mm-hmm. you know maybe you're not that person anymore and you kind of need to like update that part of yourself that's out there in the public but for what it was and the way it came out, like, you know, this is, this is like, it's just a record that never, no, nothing ever spoke the way that this one did. Yeah. And I think that's why it's, it's gonna, it's gonna always be so close to me too. It's just like, this is it. This is, this is the fucking experience and I'm not, I'm not going to guard it in any sort of way. Um, here it is my favorite record of all time yeah, it's up there for me too what four, do you give this five four point five. Oh, i've right. given a lot of fives i can't give them all fives yeah i i this is uh i wasn't given this a five until uh until i listened to it three times driving back from uh dropping steve off at the bottom of <laughs> that'll do it just fucking Chloe's in the back and I'm stuck on on 90 just like chewing my fingernails sitting in traffic and I'm just like this is the fucking best song I I verged but I was like I can't give every goddamn it song five yeah this is becoming a bit much it, it's it's right up there it was when coming into the last two weeks I was like which one gets it this her clavicle um and it was really a toss-up but i love this song so much i love everything about the song and really what i love most is how it leads into what happens after which we'll get into eventually eventually we'll get there at some point uh we can lift the veil a little bit this is goddamn it month mm-hmm. we're coming up on a on a day that we thought let's let's tie a bow on God damn it and mm-hmm. we can do something a little uh seasonal 
for next week. But we're doing all their Thanksgiving material <laughs> as we move into November and beyond. I mean, if there's a band that has a better like soundtrack for like Blackout Wednesday, then I really couldn't think of. Fair. We uh, should uh, Thanksgiving talk about the Broadway song about Thanksgiving. Oh God, it, it's like Facebook on Thanksgiving exists for two reasons: that Broadway song and Wednesday Adams. Yeah, that's about it. Um, before we wrap and plug ourselves, I uh, because they keep doing it. Shout outs to our homies at X to Grind, big up in us always supporting us, supporting us what we do. Big shout out to Tom for always being a supporter, being a fan, being a homie. Want to send them love. And really, if you're not listening to them, you are missing out on the best podcast. Tim, take it away. You should also check out Better Yet Podcast. No, you shouldn't. Um, we are very lucky individuals, you and me. We started doing this because it was just like, let's just do something that's fun. It's a good excuse to just like do a thing once a week. And this is what we came up with. And it has exceeded so many expectations. Yeah. Um, the response is unbelievable. The Patreon fucking can't even, can't even begin. But the my favorite part of doing this is the fact that we can talk about what we like in the fucking music that's happening and we also get a chance to just like fucking learn about each other and to talk about our experiences and mm-hmm. you know being fucking weird people on a weird planet yes um this record meant so much to ruining my life as as in terms of just like a normal person who has a normal job who just like you know comes home and fucking eats dinner and watches tv and goes to bed it's just never gonna happen because Mm -hmm. i fucking heard this record when i was 14 and that's it but i'm happy with what i'm doing uh in so many facets of my life and this is something that i look forward to every single time that we get together you and me both buddy um and you know being able to share it with all of you out there it's fucking tremendous it's so nice that y'all enjoy it so please i implore you email as you were podcast at gmail.com i want to hear about your life and this record or whatever the fuck else you want to talk about. Seriously, anything, really. Um, 815-382-8869. Fucking text me if you feel like it. At As You Were Pod. Uh, what else we got? Patreon.com slash, slash as, you were. as You Were. Better Yet Podcast. You're wondering, hey, who's the Steve that he drove to the bottom lounge? Well, you're going to find out soon. Aren't you? Um, he's at DB Anthony. Correct. I'm at Better Yet Pod. We are out of time. We are on to the next week. You got a Halloween costume picked? Oh, I'm going as Father Time. T H Y M E. I 
I'm not going to tell these people. They're just going to have to wait for the picture of me in my... It's the best costume that I've ever had since I was Beetlejuice when I was five. But hey, you'll hear more stories about Halloween next week. We'll see you then. Thanks, Bubba's. I feel truly dead inside.